you know, this team's been really good. Uh, I mean, this team doesn't have any complainers. Um, guys just do what they're coached to do. They work hard. Um, you know, we don't have a lot of negative guys on this team, and we have some real positive leadership. Just have to get used to it. Just have to keep doing it. Have to keep recruiting. But it ain't like we've been we've been in the top five or six every year, four, five, or six every year. And I, and then, you know, whatever they they feel and say, I don't I don't worry about somebody else unless they. And like I said before, that you know, all the things that went on had nothing to do with NIL. Had nothing to do with all the other, and because that's what they were accusing us of. And I think NIL and transfer portal is truly affecting college football. But that wasn't the case with us. That's why I said what I said on the other. So. What I look for in, in our quarterbacks is that they want the feedback. You know, they want to be coached. They want the feedback. They want to, they want to know what they need to keep getting better at. And all those guys have been that way. You know, when you get a quarterback that doesn't want to be coached, he's, he's not going to play for you. Right. Ooh, welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and we got a terrific show lined up for you. We're going to preview some of the upcoming SEC spring games we got here on Saturday. We got Kentucky, Auburn, Texas A&M. Seems like we're talking Texas A&M every day now, and man, did I step in it with the the Aggie fan base. We're going to get to that in a second, but uh, before we do that, want to make the note that uh, the ESPN bracket challenge that we had on that has obviously concluded with the uh, the championship game last night. Congratulations to Kansas. Burning hell, as Mizzou fans would say. But, hey, they won it. And the guy who won our That SEC Podcast Bracket Challenge, I Cracky, I've already touched base with him. His prize is already on the way. But uh, number two here, we're going to throw it up on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. Kevin H, 1992, you get a prize. And Dutton, number two, you finished third, so you also get a prize. So reach out to us at thatsecpodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter. Just send us a DM, whatever's easiest for you. If you are, again, Kevin H1992 or Dutton2, we got prizes lined up for you. But on with the show, let's start right there with the, you know, I got a little mea copa here. I screwed up. If you're going to say some crazy stuff, you got to back it up or you got to admit when uh, you made a mistake. And here's what happened. So Tuesday, I've kind of run through this before, but had another appearance on the Paul Feinbaum show. If you missed that, you can also check that out on our YouTube page. I've uploaded that to uh, the That SEC Podcast YouTube page, but got to hang out with Paul for about uh, 10 or so minutes. Really great conversation. And as they always do, they find the juiciest part of the content. They tweet it out. And man, did I piss off the Aggies. So <laughs> let's get to uh, the interview. I'm not going to play the whole thing because it's like 11 minutes long here. But I'm going to play the part Paul was asking me about NIL, Jimbo Fisher, Lane Kiffin, the back and forth. And I'll show you the tweet in just a second. But it set the Aggies off. And you know, I kind of missed the point a little bit. But I also screwed up, so I got to own up to it. Michael, let's get to the, the NIL conversation. And it just seems like, true or false, A&M is now the bad guy. Uh, everybody else is, you know, we should feel sorry for, including Nick Saban at Alabama. It just doesn't seem fair 
I'm giving you the narrative, of course, not the reality. <laughs> uh, but but how much of this is is reality, and 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 your take on on what Jimbo Fisher has done, and how he has done it. Well, I absolutely love it, Paul, and I love that Kiffin's out here calling Jimbo out because, from my understanding, Kiffin is he's been described to me as a lazy high school recruiter. So of course he's going to be calling out Texas A&M that. Of course, Jimbo had, uh, you know, he was so upset that all these allegations were out there. Jimbo and his staff work incredibly hard at recruiting. But let's not kid ourselves. The best class in the recruiting era was built on NIL, and now we're seeing other programs take advantage of it. And I'm wondering, because we're already seeing Kirby and and Nick Saban, like you said, come out here and kind of, they want regulations. I wonder why. It's, It's because they've been dominating the recruiting landscape. And I wonder if this... You know, we certainly know the passion of Alabama and Georgia fan bases, but do they want a championship more than Texas A&M, which hasn't had one since the 50s? Do they want a championship more than Tennessee, which hasn't won the SEC since 1998? I would uh, fathom to say the answer is no. So I love the fact that NIL may be an opportunity for these teams that have all the pieces in place but just haven't been able to do it, maybe give them a leg up on an Alabama and a Georgia who – Otherwise, are poised to dominate the SEC for years to come. Hey, basically, the point I was trying to make is we can't bury our heads in the sand. NIL is a part of college football, and the teams that are recruiting at an elite level in this era, hell, we're seeing Tennessee, Arkansas, A&M, Texas Longhorns. I mean, NIL is a big piece of the puzzle, and it is a piece of the puzzle certainly at Alabama and Georgia, but – you know, I think this is why Kirby and Saban are out here, you know, out here trying to limit the value of NIL and recruiting and all this because it endangers them. Whereas places like Texas A&M, places like Tennessee we're seeing now, the fans are willing to commit to a winner. You're not doing anything wrong. Now, where I stepped in it, I said the class, I'll throw the tweet up here that uh, Feinbaum had. They even got my... Uh, they tweeted at the wrong account. It's not even mine, but I love that Kiffin's out here calling out Jimbo. Let's not kid ourselves. The best class in the history of recruiting was built on a foundation of NIL. And what I mean by that, again, you just heard the full clip. I'm not saying that, hell, I even called Kiffin a lazy recruiter here in that segment, but that didn't make the cut. It was the foundation of the NIL. I screwed up on it. You know, I get nervous as hell going on this Paul Feinbaum show. I should not have said the foundation of it because that does insinuate that it's all NIL-based where Jimbo and his staff, they work their ass off, and it's not just Texas guys they're landing. They Since the moment they've got there, they've made Texas A&M a national recruiting brand, and they continue to do that. They continue to beat out SEC powers in the state of Georgia, Tennessee, Arkansas, Florida, They go to California to get guys. They go to Pennsylvania. I mean, they go all across the country for these elite prospects. So should not have said the foundation of that class was based on NIL. But I'm not taking it back saying that NIL is not a factor. And I know the great Billy Lucci, I mean, he's the go-to source for Texas A&M inside information. He retweets my stuff all the time. He really took issue with this tweet. and. You know, I got nothing against Billy. Again, I think he's fantastic. But, I mean, look at uh, his organization, Texags. They give $10,000 for these athletes to come on and give a 30-minute interview. And that, 
again, that's not going to get you a number one recruiting class, but you better believe recruits see that and they know that if they come to A&M, they're going to get these types of deals. And again, this is all legal, so more power to them. The real issue, in my opinion, is these coaches getting upset with it and calling A&M out. That's something Jimbo, we're going to get to his comments here in just a second. He is still he's still having to comment on it anytime they they gain a five-star you know, the, the allegations are out there against the Yaggies. But, hey, I screwed up a little bit here. NIL is certainly, and from here on out, as long as it's legal, it's going to be a huge part. Every recruiting class that's in the top 10 is going to be built with NIL in it. And that's why the, when people say, well, where's the proof? You're not showing me any evidence. NIL, they don't release their figures. They don't release what they're getting. And they also don't make it very public. There's no reason to do so. There's no benefit in doing so. Let's, you know, it doesn't even matter if we're talking Texas A&M here. If a quarterback comes in one year and he gets a million-dollar deal, what's the next quarterback going to say? I want $2 million. What is your rival going to say when they hear you're giving a quarterback a million and they want him? We'll give him a million and a half. You know, this is just going to be an endless cycle of throwing money around this is all under the table and it's all legal but hell we just saw it with uh, the huge eight million dollar deal we can't even technically say who that is or reveal what school he's going to his name nothing because once you do that then you, the contract's broken so where's the proof that uh tennessee paid a guy there's no proof you're not going to get proof in the nil era because it's written into the contract that once you start blasting what I'm getting, here's what I'm getting paid by this NIL collective or this business venture. That's why Saban's out here saying a million dollars because he wants that figure out there whether that was true or not of Bryce Young. It benefited Alabama in that scenario. It's not going to benefit them to announce every single NIL deal they come about in the years to come and it ain't going to be coming out but trust me, every one of these major classes is going to be having NIL deals as long as it's legal and it's perfectly legal. And the main point I was trying to make, credit A&M and their fan base for doing what it takes to push that program over the top. And I think that's going to give them an edge in the years to come over a lot of these programs like an Ole Miss that, at least for now, they're unwilling to get into uh, paying what it's going to take to to stay at the top of the college football. And Tennessee, let's throw them into it as well. They are committed to paying these guys. And at the end of the day, you know, th there's no guarantees in college football, but it's going to put you in a better position if you're landing elite recruiting classes. And if Texas A&M wins the SEC, makes the college football playoff, and wins that elusive national championship, this is going to play a huge, huge part in getting it done. And I'm talking about NIL while at the same time, two things can be true. Jimbo is arguably, I would say, a top three recruiter in the country right there with Nick Saban and Kirby Smart. Those are my one-two. Jimbo is right behind him. He's in that class. NIL is legal, and as long as it is, these athletes are going to be getting paid. There's no doubt about it. Now, quick little update here from Alabama. Roll Tide! I want to get this on the docket here before we preview these spring games. But interesting news here because uh, one of their emerging players here at the receiver position, a position of need there with the Crimson Tide, sophomore Ajay Hall reportedly 
no longer on the football team. He's been moved from the online roster. This was first reported by Charlie Potter of 24-7 Sports. Now, interestingly, Ajay Hall has taken to Twitter and said, hey, this is news to me. So, hey, we'll see what happens here. But, you know, Alabama has not corrected the report. And Hall is uh, not on the roster. So he may be just be suspended for the time being. But whatever the issue is, you know, this is a very, very talented young player that uh, this time last year, I mean, he made a he was a star of the spring after the performance he put on in the spring game. But I realize I believe it was the national championship game had a big drop. Fans have kind of. It's almost like when a guy leaves, they're like, well, on to the next one. But. I don't know, Ajay Hall, very, very talented player. Could this be the guy Saban was kind of talking about? We don't got no complainers. I don't want to go that far because I have no idea if that's accurate, but uh, fans are going to read into that, no doubt. But interesting scenario here, Alabama looking for some receivers to step up. I know they got Jermaine Burton, continue to hear great things about the Georgia transfer. He should star for the Crimson Tide, and no shed no tears shed here for the Crimson Tide because they are absolutely loaded at the receiver position. But you hate to lose a guy like Ajay Hall because you got to believe that, uh, you know, if he gets his issues resolved, he could be a huge big-time player for many teams, many teams across the country. I feel like, again, I feel like we're talking A&M every day, but the spring is coming to an end here in College Station this Saturday. So let's jump on down to College Station, where the spring game is set to kick off at 2 o'clock Eastern, 1 o'clock Central. And all three of these games, I should note, are being just streamed by uh, ESPN+, SEC Network+. Plus. It's not going to be on your traditional cable dial. You're going to have to jump on a computer or a tablet to watch these games if you're unable to attend. But, you know, what am I going to be looking for from the Yaggies? I really want to see Connor Weidman and see what he looks like at this level. Max Johnson, Haynes King. Yeah, well, the competition is not going to be decided by Saturday. I'm not being naive here. This thing's going to play into the training camp. But I I just love to get a first look at a quarterback and see how he, the speed of the game, how it translates. Does he have the respect of his teammates after being just in his first camp? And all indications are Connor Weigman has that. He's in the thick of it for this quarterback competition so my eyes are going to be glued on the young five-star freshman to see what he can bring to Jimbo Fisher's offense and sticking right there with uh hopefully he's going to be Connor Weichman's favorite target here the five-star freshman receiver Evan Stewart Jimbo Fisher pumped him up today here on Tuesday during his latest media availability could this be the game-breaking receiver that A&M has been waiting for very well could be based on early return. So I'm going to be keeping my eye on Evan Stewart. This defensive line, we got some second-year players like Shamar Stewart ready to step up. They need to not only take uh, their games to another level, but how do they match up against Texas A&M is loaded on this uh, defensive line. So, you know, I think we can learn a lot about the Aggies and their next generation of defensive linemen. Want to see... Who that, who that is that emerges. No idea who will emerge here on Saturday, but that'll be something to keep your eye on because A&M sending a lot of guys to the NFL on the line of scrimmage in recent seasons, but this may be an even better defensive line, which is a scary thought for the rest of the SEC. Sophomore running back L.J. Johnson, 
You know, we just had uh, Travis Brown on the show breaking it down. Looks like uh, LJ will be right there in the thick of it for the backup running back job. I want to see how he looks. And these receivers, man, Euclid Brown, year two in the system. Moose Muhammad, year three. These guys really, really need to step up. I hate to keep harping on the same points, but if A&M is really going to exceed all these expectations, hell, we just had the over-under at nine. A&M fans, they seem to... The only ones that A&M fans are more upset with than me right now is these people setting these damn lines because they think the Aggies are going 11-1 and at worst. It ain't going to happen unless these receivers step up. you got to have a number of weapons to excel in the SEC, and I need to see it. We've been hearing great things about Brown for two years now, Moose Muhammad, Evan Stewart. Let's see what these guys bring to the offense in the spring game. It's a perfect setting for a matchup against an elite secondary. Let's see how well these young receivers perform here on Saturday. But before we get to the game here, let's add some comments here from uh, Jimbo Fisher on the quarterback competition. Where does this stand? Haynes King, Max Johnson, Connor Weigman, where's this thing going? It's certainly going into the summer, according to Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo, just kind of focusing in on Connor. You said that he was the best quarterback in the last last year. When you look at where he's progressed this far, I mean, what's the biggest thing you've done about him? Maturity. Doesn't get overwhelmed by the moment. Very, very quick learner. Very instinctive. Young man. Quarterback battle seems like a good one. Do you see it stretching on into the summer? Or? Oh, yeah. I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, we'll see how it goes. And like I say, you know when you know. But I think all three guys have had their moments, and they've all played well. And I've uh, been very pleased with Haynes. Haynes, I thought, really last scrimmage, did some really good things. And plus his legs, I thought Max was excellent. He was really sharp making throws, making deep ball throws, and, and uh, getting the ball out, and also moving well. And I thought, again, Connor was excellent. I mean, creating plays with his legs, with his arm, with his intensity, quick release. and, and But they're all starting to see things now the best way. So I think all have, have progressed really well. And then last thing from Jimbo. I mean, this hits right at the heart of the, the show opening there. But uh, why does Texas A&M have this bad rap? They just landed another five-star out of Georgia, Overton, who's actually born in College Station. I had no idea about that. But Jimbo asked about that and uh you know he had a lot to say he kind of went down a little bit of a rabbit hole here talking about uh, a&m's success on the recruiting trail with its number one class i dad somebody else from other coaches from fan bases and so forth oh i don't know you know they we guess they haven't done it as much because they have to get used to it just have to keep doing it have to keep recruiting but it ain't like we've been we've been the top five or six every year four or five or six every year and I, and then no, whatever they they feel and say, I don't I don't worry about somebody else unless they and like I said before the you know, all the things that went on had nothing to do with NIL had nothing to do with all the other and because that's what they were accusing us of and I think NIL and transfer portal is truly affecting college football, but that wasn't the case with us. That's why I said what I said on the other. So I don't know. You have to ask them more so than you have to ask me. Well, hopefully, hopefully we'll keep doing it and making them all mad. Do you, do you tell your guys and your staff to embrace it? I don't worry about it. I don't even think about it. Who cares? And the reason I said it, the only thing I ever said before was because it was directly pointed at us. Had nothing to do with it. Do I think NIL is an issue out there? Yes. Do I think transfer portal is an issue out there? Yes. And how it goes on and what the regulations, there's no doubt. But that, those were pointed figures right at us is why I made those statements because that's unfair 
to the kids who got recruited. That's unfair to their families, and that's unfair to the staff that recruited them. And that's what that's what and unfair to Texas A&M. That's the only reason I brought that up. I don't it see. I don't have social media, so it comes up to you. I don't. I again, I don't. I don't hear that. I'm, I'm not. Huh? I got one thing. What my? I don't have my phone. There's a, I got one news app that'll have, like if there's world news that I board. I hit that. I can hit that and say, okay, there's something like what I was going on in the world. Other than that, I don't. So it's up again. It's a bad thing or a good thing. Well, well, you know, here's the other thing. We've been in the middle of it. The, the young man was born here. The guy was born in College Station. Grew up watching games, going up, going to this. He came. He was a huge Florida State fan. He came to my camp when he was 10, 11 years old, 12 years old. People didn't know that. I mean, and was in the high school camp. I mean, back then. So, I mean, I've known his dad. I mean, family worked here. His dad was an AD at A&M, Florida A&M, or Cincinnati or AD at Florida A&M. Brought him to camp. I've known the family forever and ever and ever. So, and we're doing real good. So. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, so whatever. Man, it kind of feels like Jimbo was talking directly to me with that comment. <laughs> but all right, moving on with the show, let's jump on down to the Plains. War damn eagle. Where the Auburn Tigers, they also will be holding their spring game here on Saturday, 2 o'clock Eastern, 1 o'clock Central, streaming on ESPN SEC Network. And there's a lot of questions. With the Auburn Tigers, obviously. I mean, low expectations after the way the season ended. All the drama, of course. We don't have to rehash all that. But, you know, let's find out how these players have responded. Their first training camp with both coordinators changing over. With their head coach nearly getting shown the door. And all of a sudden, a wild card at quarterback emerges. Because all I'm hearing, Zach Calzada's, you know, he's been very limited. So he's barely been playing. Yet, uh, you know, T.J. Finley was, is the experienced guy, but uh, one guy that uh, continue to hear great things about, Robbie Ashford, the Oregon transfer quarterback. This is going to be a great opportunity for Ashford to show what he can do. A very mobile athlete there, under center for the Auburn Tigers. Maybe, uh, you know, this is a guy we've got no film on based on his time at Oregon, so maybe he flashes. But really, the receivers, I mean, I have no idea who's going to be stepping up here for the Auburn Tigers, given uh, all the defections they had at the receiver position. Uh, the guys moving on to the NFL or guys that just uh, entered the transfer portal this spring. And, and you see these clips people put out. Someone put out a, a clip of uh, Zach Calzada throwing passes in practice, and they were all drops or bad throws. I mean, it was, it was like a calamity of no idea why this video was put out. Uh, but that has got to change, obviously, in a hurry. So who steps up at the receiver position? And I really want to see what Auburn has behind Tank at running back because Jarquez Hunter, of course, is out. If you missed the news, he has uh, had a minor procedure out for the spring. We know what we're getting in that beast right there. So we've got two great running backs in Tank and Jarquez, but what do we got behind them? I'll be having my eye on that because I, I, I wouldn't imagine Tank Bigsby is going to get a ton of run. And hearing a lot of good things about the sophomore edge player, Dylan Brooks. Can he be the next great Auburn defensive lineman with uh, the transition on the offensive line there on the Plains? Let's see if Brooks has a big spring game. That would be pretty exciting. And then uh, last but not least, you know, this is a hard thing to measure in a spring game. 
But I really want to see how this fan base comes out and supports this team, supports this coach. You're seeing a lot of energy, a lot of buzz within that fan base. It's one of those things where it's us against the world mentality. Does that extend to the spring game where a lot of fans, if there's no buzz, you know, they don't show up for the spring game. And I'm not going to be judging Auburn fans one way or another because we know that's one of the more hostile environments in the SEC come the fall. But how's it going to look on Saturday? I'm just very interested to see, get a little insight into the pulse of this Auburn Tiger fan base with uh, so many outside the program expecting Auburn to have a disappointing season. I want to see if that has bled over to the fan base or if they have truly rallied behind Coach Harson. And speaking of Coach Harson, man, went on a deep dive here on the quarterback competition, on TJ Finley's growth this offseason, and last but not least, this Robbie Ashford kid that everybody is talking up down there on the plains. Could he be sneaky, sneaky target here to potentially start for the Auburn Tigers? I don't know. Saturday will give us a good indication, perhaps. It's not balanced as much as it was early on. Um, you know, some guys are getting more rest, but it's also a little bit by practice, kind of look at what a guy got the previous practice, try to get some of those other guys, um, maybe a few more in the next one to even it out. But TJ has gotten quite a few reps, um, has gotten the most. Uh, Robbie Ashford is, is, uh, has been getting more reps as we've gone. Holden um, is, is still getting reps in there too. And, you know, what I know for true freshman coming in the spring, right? Spring ball can be a lot. After a while, there's a there's quite a bit of offense that you're learning. And so uh, I know he's working on detailing that stuff up, but it's just going to take time. Once spring ball is over, the best part for a guy like Holden, he's getting the reps right now. He's getting a chance to experience it. He's going through it. Um, the time in the summer is going to be huge for him because he'll know what we're doing. He'll know how to operate it better. And then come fall camp, that's what I've seen from quarterbacks when they come in early. Um, young quarterbacks, it's just how much progress they make when you get into fall camp. And then uh, Zach, he would be getting more reps. We just He's limited because we're not putting him out there in some of the team reps uh, just because of his shoulder. He's getting seven on seven. He's getting as many uh, controlled reps as we possibly can give him so he doesn't get hit. Uh, re-injure that shoulder. So I know he wants to be out there. He's dying just to stand back there and watch. He's in the yellow jersey and it's killing him. He wants to He wants to go out there and play. And uh, and I know he can. I mean, I've said that. I've told you guys that he can throw the ball well. He's, he's learning. He's been in the film room, uh, really trying to pick it up. So summer's going to be big for him, fall camp. And, you know, that's going to be determined when he can get out there and, and get uh, – you know, those reps that guys are getting right now. But all four of those guys have done some really good things. Um, but right now, I mean, I think TJ's played in the offense. Uh, I think he's leading well. I think he's got a good feel for what we're trying to do. And, and you know, with just some of the things that, that we want to accomplish this spring, that operation piece is really critical. With TJ, is there anything, and you, you got to see him start the last few games, is there anything for you that you've tried to sort of focus on with him specifically whether it's mechanics or provision or anything throughout spring, with it being the yeah. only reps within actual football? Yeah, all those things. And that would be, and it's not just TJ, I think that's with every quarterback I've ever coached. Um, consistency, like we talked about, but footwork fundamentals, um, accuracy, so that all ties into that. Um, 
I think how you operate, right? So just running the offense, just the operation of it from the sideline to the field, right? You want to run from the sideline onto the field. Um, there's a way to operate when you're in no huddle, huddle, uh, all the different situations that come up, two minute, red zone, uh, short yardage. So like every situation, uh, there's a chance to coach something up. And you know, TJ is still a, a young player developing. So all of our quarterbacks, they're all developing. Um, and you know, I haven't really coached a guy that wasn't. You know, so to me, you're, you're working on a lot of different things. Um, and, but I think he's got a good handle on the operation. He's got a good handle on what we're trying to get done with some checks. Um, I think he's seeing the defense well. And now, you know, it's just going out there and making plays, um, throwing accurately, making the right read, um, being able to handle the different pressures and things like that the defense is bringing. You see a lot of that stuff in spring. You know, so, I mean, it's really, uh, it's all those things. And what I look for in, in our quarterbacks is that they want the feedback. You know, they want to be coached. They want the feedback. They want to. They want to know what they need to keep getting better at. And all those guys have been that way. You know, when you get a quarterback that doesn't want to be coached, he's he's not going to play for you, right? That's that's the bottom line. So he's he's been really really good um, from that standpoint. And we're going to keep working on those things. The last couple of seasons, so it's been a while since I guess a lot of people have seen him play. What do you like about him as a quarterback, and kind of what he's bringing to the table as a guy who's getting more reps right now? Yeah, I like he's trying to get better. I think he cares. That's what I like about him most is he wants he wants to improve and he wants to play. He wants to be the best quarterback that he can be. Um, he's athletic. He can throw it. You know, he's got the tools. He's he's learning a new system. So, you know, a little bit you got to there, there's some patience that come with that and you got to understand that. And so I think, you know, a lot of times we all want it right now. I mean, there's a little bit of patience for all the players that are learning something new. Jay Fair is learning it. Right, we got new guys in here. Um, so, as long as they're trying, as long as they're they're studying, as long as they're preparing, as long as they're asking the right questions, they care. It's important to them. Uh, then, you know what? We're gonna we'll get them where they need to be. We'll coach them and we'll get them where they need to be. And um, and I see that from Robbie, and he wants to be good. Uh, makes a mistake, right? Hey, I know it bothers him, but you got to move on. You know, you got another opportunity. It's the next play, and then. You know, just trying to trying to train habits. All right, last stop on the show. Let's kick it on down to Lexington. Well, the Wildcats will be having their spring game. Different time here, 1 o'clock Eastern, noon Central, again on ESPN SEC Network streaming. But uh, Kentucky with uh, some staff turnover. Want to see how the Kentucky offense looks. Make sure, see that it hasn't drastically changed. Uh, Rick Scangarello, the new offensive coordinator, plans on keeping things uh, a little close to the vest. We'll get we'll play some of his comments here in a minute, but I want to see if Will Levis, what he looks like, see if he's taking a next step. And again, we probably won't learn much about Will Levis in this spring game that we didn't already know. But how about Deuce Hogan, the Iowa transfer? I believe he was a former Elite 11 quarterback. I want to see what he brings because I don't I didn't have much confidence in the backup quarterback position at Kentucky last season, but that could be changing with what I'm hearing about Deuce Hogan and his big arm. So I want to see what he looks like in this system. And, of course, uh, potentially the breakout star there in Lexington this season is going to be Tavon Robinson, the transfer receiver from Virginia Tech. Everyone's going to be asking, is he the next Wondell Robinson? 
that's I think that's unfair because he was such a dynamic player. He's going to be a big-time player in the NFL. Let's just see what Robinson, how he fits into this offense, see if he can make some plays in the spring game because, uh, you know, Kentucky's going to need some help there. They love what they got at running back. And speaking of that, Jaton McClain, I want to see what he looks like. We all know Chris Rodriguez, what the, what the workhorse he is. He's going to break the school record as long as he just has his average season here. So we know what we're getting in RB1. I want to see what we're getting behind him. Cavassier Smoke or McLean. Who's going to be stepping up hearing great things about McLean? Want to see him in action. But what I really want to see with Kentucky, which it's not sexy, but this is going to be potentially what takes this Kentucky team and the defense in particular to the next level is this defensive line. They've had so many great additions via recruiting the last couple of years, but we all know Kentucky is a such a developmental program. They don't rush guys out onto the field. So I need to see guys like Trayvon Ripka, Justin Rogers, Octavius Oxidine. I want to see that they've taken the next step and they can set the tone. Oh, Kentucky, we all know, is a, is a program built through the offensive line, but there's some transition there this year with a new line coach and two tackles off to the NFL. The defensive line, I want to see him dominate on Saturday. I don't think there's any excuses for those players to have an outstanding spring game. I need to see it. And speaking of the old line, hey, he may not be ready game one, week one, but there's no way he doesn't see the field. Kenyatta Goodwin, the five-star offensive lineman, had does he factor in to the big blue wall down there? It's probably going to be a backup here in the spring game, but I want to see what he looks like in full uniform and see just the, the, the raw potential that he's got to be the next great Kentucky offensive lineman. So that those are kind of the things that I'll have my eye on. And I just thought, uh, if you don't know, I'm, I'm sure the Kentucky fans do, but they're expecting rough weather there in Lexington. It's going to be cold. It's going to be rainy. So, you know, who knows what kind of turnout we're going to get. And that is uh, something that uh, the offensive coordinator, Rich Scangarello, kind of jokes around about. But in addition to that, yeah, he seems very, very pleased with the players he inherited, particularly Will Levis and the new center, Eli Cox. Uh, so let's kick it over to Rich Scangarello, who kind of previews the Kentucky spring game and what we'll be getting uh, in Lexington this weekend. Spring game, do you kind of want to give people a show, or do you kind of view it as more of just a regular practice? Kind of what's your... You know, if it's cold enough and no one shows up and then <laughs> we don't show anything, everyone will be happy. Um, <laughs> but, uh, um, but no, I mean, yeah, I mean, listen, uh, one of the advantages that, that my, you know, we have right now is there's an unknown to what we're doing. Um, obviously, you'd like to keep um, as much of that in-house as possible until the last second. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you know, as it goes, it, you know, there's you don't want to go out there and give them everything. But, uh, yeah, you want to go out. It's a con To me, the biggest part is we're continuing to evaluate, and there's going to be 55 to 70 reps out there for players that they have to get better at, we have to evaluate them at, um, that are invaluable. So how we use those and um, trying to put guys in positions to make plays is what's most important to me and seeing who can step up in those moments. And um, I thought last week, uh, again, it was good. Um, and I, I, want, I hope we can continue to do that and build on that and take it into summer. Um, but no, we're not going to open up the playbook to the world and that's uh, just the way it goes. <laughs> How did that compare to your expectations before camp in terms of what guys were and how they 
Yeah, it, it, it's the it's been you know one to ten. It's there's guys that are that are ten, and it's easy, and they've they've uh, it's they picked it up quick. And there are other guys that are new, and maybe their foundation isn't there, and it's going to take a little longer. But that's the bottom line is it's our job to learn what they can and can't handle, and we're going to push them to the max. Um, and I've been very pleased. I, you know, in the end, if you have a quarterback that um, has the mental capability to handle a lot, a center. Um, like Eli, that can handle handle a lot. Um, I think that they can steer the ship, and they can bring others along, and, and um, it helps them, you know, f flow in your system a little easier. And um, I've been pleased, though. Uh, we have, you know, coaches done a great job. We've recruited some really smart football players. There's talent, but there's some really smart football IQ guys, and uh, that that we need that. Our system is not easy in that way. You can't. You, you can't. You got to have some ability to learn to be able to play for us. And then these sentiments were echoed by their new offensive line coach Zach Yenzer, who obviously coached with Scangarillo there with the San Francisco 49ers. Now they're tradition transitioning together back to college through Lexington. So let's kick it over to Zach Yenzer, who echoes a lot of the same sentiments. Loves what he inherited, and you know, make no mistake, the players are learning these coaches. The coaches are learning the players. They got hired on so late in the process, right before spring practice. Kind of interesting and transparent comments here. Uh, and it's it, I, if I'm a Kentucky fan, I'm fired up that both these coaches seem to be so pleased with the players they inherited there in Lexington. Rich mentioned that Eli being able to handle a lot. How's that transition to center gone? I think it's. I, yeah, I think it's. I think Eli had a really good year last year at guard, but I think transition to center has has helped him out tremendously. He's. Uh, He's a very bright guy, gets everybody on the same page. He's physical, he's strong. Um, you know, I joke around with him all the time. I said he has big shoes to fill with Fortner and Drake's in the room again. So, I mean, he has, <laughs> he has big, big, big shoes to fill uh, playing center here. So he's up to the challenge. I think he's done a phenomenal job. Um, and I think he's going to continue to get a lot better. And I think he's, he has done it. He, he is what makes the O-line run. I mean, right now, it's just he's on the, getting the guys on the same page. We do as he, we go as he goes. You know, he's, you know, he's making all the mic points and, the, you know, the protection calls and all that stuff. So he's doing a really good job guys in our room, in the O-line room. And it's a, a tribute to the, the, the culture that Coach Stoops has put together. It's a tribute to Coach Schlarman's recruiting before I got – I mean, it's just a – it's all of it. And uh, it's an awesome group. I'm, in, I'm enjoying it. They're, I think they're having fun. You know they're having fun. They're loose, but they're but they're but when it's time to to get down and to play football, they they've done a really good job with it. And that's kind of our mentality, man. We're gonna have fun. It's it's too hard not to have fun. If they don't enjoy coming to this building right here, then I don't think they can be good football players. They have to enjoy to come over here, enjoy being around us, enjoy watching film and and, and the things that it takes to you know in the classroom or in the in the meeting room to be a good football player. They have to enjoy doing that. And I think I think they are. All right, so that's going to do it on this episode of the show. Still waiting for those uh, SEC East over-under win totals to be released. I was told Tuesday they're not out as of this recording on Tuesday evening, but as soon as they are, Cousin Shane and I will be breaking those down on the latest episode. So that's something to be looking forward to before the weekend arrives. But again, that's going to do it. I appreciate each and every one of you for hanging out. We'll catch you on the next one.